It is Tech Talk time on this Saturday. And, oh, by the way, if you're having problems with your computer, hardware, software, whatever, this is the show for you. And we've got a good way for you to get involved. Give us a call on the talk and text line, 651-461-9226. Once again, our talk and text line, 651 461 Nine two two six. Doug, I hope you're doing well. Yeah, you know the the weather is up a little bit today, and even though it's a little bit cloudy, it's a nice, nice day out. And yeah, doing well, doing real good. Yeah, no doubt. Mild weather continues. I know the snow lovers, uh, those folks that want to get out and do a little ice fishing, aren't happy right now. But uh, the mild weather continues, and it looks like it'll be mild uh, into the coming week. And potentially through the start of the new year, it's been a very mild winter. Uh, Doug, want to get started with a couple of things here. Uh, number one, if you're buying a new computer, desktop, laptop, whatever, uh, you, you pull it out of the box, you start getting it set up. Um, what, what are the do's and don'ts there? I, I know there's some things, and, and generally they'll have a startup menu. But what I've found over the years, when I've had a new machine, that uh, they tempt you into doing stuff you may not need. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's other things that you should do. Number one, uh, that password you put in to log into that machine, crucially important. Uh, oh, yeah. th- there's some other things. Doug, why don't you walk us through some of the do's and don'ts when you get a new computer? Because I, I know you're tempted to go, all right, well, I'll try that, and I'll take that free app, and I'll take that free trial. What, what do you recommend, Doug? Yeah, that, 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 I'm really glad you brought that up. This is um, one of the big things is don't be tempted by the free stuff and don't get excited. Just relax. Uh, the, you know, I'm a little bit anal about this, but I get a new computer, even if it's not mine, I take it out of all the packaging and I just let it sit for a bare minimum of four hours so it climatizes. And I don't care if it's a laptop, desktop, whatever. And if it's really cold and it's been sitting in a car, I'll leave it overnight. Once you fire that thing up to start this thing up, do not plug it into the Internet. Don't plug it onto the, into your network right away. Start it up as a freestanding machine and create a local account instead of having to be connected to Microsoft to get at your data. And I just think that it's just a little bit too invasive for Microsoft to, to push that that hard. Set up a local account first. And as soon as I do that, I normally have a USB drive that has some semblance of software, if it's a computer that's got lots of ads and lots of stuff like that, they're getting away from that somewhat, the manufacturers. And people have been irritated by this. Uh, there's uh, all kinds of stuff that will do it automatic. Uh, crapware is one that's a funny name, but it sure does a good job. That will go through your whole system, and you can download these things for free. If you see that they want money, just check another site. Just put in, go to Google and type in, Google, decrapifier, something like that, and it will bring up five or six of them, and one site may want to get paid, and the next site will give it to you free. Just beware of the free stuff. It's one thing if they're giving you a trial version for software, and you know the company. It's a whole different program. They say, yeah, this is free. Oh, but we want you to visit 15 sites first. Well, by the time you get done with them, you can spend a half a day visiting those sites so they can get paid to give you free stuff. Just, It's just crazy, just crazy. Have a plan before you start. If you've got an older computer that you want to transfer data, 
you hopefully you got that done. I would put that on a separate medium. Yeah, an external hard drive, uh, send it up to the clouds, and organize your data. This is a perfect time to straighten out your data. At least get started on, at least a portion. Each new computer you got, you get really should bring about a, a good three to four days of reorganizing your data. And if you can, there's no right way or wrong way to do it, just so it makes sense to you. But you know, keep it small, not too many folders, not too many files in each folder. Keep it to a minimum. You'll be surprised how much better everything will run. That's the best advice I can give with a new machine, Steve. And fill out your paperwork and register it for the warranty as well. Crucially important that you do this. Do it from the first time again. I like the fact that you mentioned this password. I tell people when they get a new computer, you figure out what you want for a password. And before you even put it in your computer, record it somewhere. Put it in your wallet for a day or two. Especially if it's a new one. And it should be a new one. When you get a new computer, you should have new security throughout the whole thing. Have a plan and stick to it. And just don't get excited. Take your time. Don't overdo it. You're, these computers are coming with an enormous amount of disk space. And it's easy to download them and get them all bundled up. Extensions in browsers are a good thing. Download three new browsers immediately. Make sure you have a minimum of three. I like five these days. Um, it, they're free to have. You might as well have them and keep them up to date. And that's the best advice I can give, Steve. That's it. Yeah, and uh, let's talk top three browsers. When you get a new machine, what what is an absolutely positively must-have? Um, I, I use Google a lot. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. And, and, of course, Firefox, I, I use uh, a lot, uh, Google Chrome and, yep. and Firefox. Um, you're, you're a big believer in the Brave browser? Is that I am. I am. Yeah, first browser I'll download if it doesn't have it would be Firefox. Second one would be Brave. Next one would be Chromium, which is the open source version of Chrome. And depending on the, on the customer, I might even download Chrome as well. Uh, absolutely, you're going to have to have a Chrome browser for sure. And my understanding is, is Microsoft Edge is making cutting-edge changes on, on the Edge browser. I think you should stick back and wait a while to make sure that they're getting their ducks in a row with this. Also, DuckDuckGo has a browser that you can download. Wonderful browser. The Tor browser, if you want to go uh, with, with some anonymity. And if you got a Mac, you definitely want the Tor browser. A Mac and an Apple product... And they were actually kind of the responsible for the first people to get on the Tor browser or the Tor network. And they've got their own special little section of the Tor browser called the Onion Network. And it's fast and it's it's dynamite. But if you yeah, you got a Mac or an Apple product, absolutely you gotta wanna have a Tor browser. And of course keep all your browsers up to date. Extensions are important. I used to say don't have any extensions at all, but there's some of them that are really nice, uh, keep you productive. Uh, especially if you're doing a lot of YouTube, uh, you could, there's some uh, extensions that really make sense because you'll cut your time down on YouTube trying to bypass ads and, and it'll try to direct you to where it wants you to go and you, you, you maintain control. You'll be much better off. But I think that's, uh, that's crucial. Get that baby decrapified first. Get all the garbage off it and you'll be lean and mean. Make sure you, if you have an SSD drive or a spinner, that you right-click on your drive in Windows Explorer, go to Tools, and do an Optimize or a Defrag or both, depending on which kind of drive you have. Even an SSD drive should be optimized when you first get it. And you might want to run that once a month or so, but you can set it up so it runs by itself once a week. Uh, Trimming of your solid-state drive is an important factor, and it will 
add years of life to that baby. It really will. So do a little bit of maintenance, and you'll be rocking and rolling and be a happy, happy camper for a long time to come. All right, Doug, um, let's go to the phones right now. Lawrence is waiting. Lawrence joins us on the CCO Talk and Text Line. Lawrence, hello. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Oh, yep. you bet. Hello. Okay. Yeah, you're there. Say, you're, you're always giving me good advice. I thought I'd share something with you because I'm actually going through a new machine install. And okay. it's not necessarily related to hardware or software, but how people manage their information. And so as quickly as I can, when you look at, I'm going to use a banking uh, scenario to give an example. You, know, you get mm-hmm. your bank statements and you might want to save a hard, co- hard copy. And if you go January, February, March, April, May, June, and then you try to sort each month, it's going to do it alphabetically. But typically we want to know it's January is going to first, show up February all the way to the end of the month. So one of the things that I try to work with people on is when you have a file, so let's say Wells Fargo monthly statements, put WF, which is Wells Fargo, and then put an underscore, and then I always put the year first, 2023-010203, and when you work with folders and you do it that way, you really yep. keep things in order when you use that year, month, date format. Right. That way, when you open up Windows Explorer to search for that file, you just click on the header, and it, and you have it sort in a descending manner from the most recent date on top. I, yeah, I've been doing this for years. Smart move. You can actually rename your files, and even if you don't happen to have the WF for Wells Fargo in front of that, just the fact that you've got that date and whatever name that they've named it, as long as it's appropriate so you can, at a glance, know what you're trying to open. Uh, the, I, like, I like the initial thing, the WF, too. That's kind of cute. I like that. It's, well, uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, and Lawrence, that's a great call. And I think when, when you set up, and this gets back to the theme of a brand-new machine, setting up uh, folders and how you're going to manage your data and your photos and all of that sort of thing, is much easier because it makes it easier to back it up, which is important. Even on a brand-new machine, you want to have a backup plan. But finding data in the future is a huge deal. Right, especially if you've got another computer that you're going to be transferring data for. Before you transfer that data, if you start this lot, and really, Steve, there is no right or wrong to this. Each person can do it individually as long as it makes sense to them. However... File naming conventions is extremely important. And and this, what, what most Americans would call a reverse date format with the year, the month, and the day, I've been doing that for oh, 30 years. I, it's just a tremendous, tremendous way to save files. And if, if you've got to categorize like that and per vendor or per type of file, if it's a doc or spreadsheet, but there's so many applications today that are using multiple file types it's not so good as it used to be where, you know, and actually Microsoft kind of has that separated that way. In fact, most computers, you look at the at the file structure and the file manager, you've got a documents folder, a pictures folder, a music and video. Makes sense. It really does. Now, underneath the doc file, you may want to put, um, I don't think I'd separate spreadsheets or PDFs. It depends on how many you got as well. I would be more likely to put a subdirectory or a subfolder underneath the folder that had something to do more with the vendor 
or with that particular project, perhaps. Um, now, this gentleman that called in, he's actually separating this even by the month. That might be a bit much. I, I, I don't know if I would go that route because when you go to search for a file, if you don't happen to know what month it is, you're going to be bouncing back and forth over directories. But that's not a bad plan either. doesn't make it wrong. It's just individual. And then as you start to move your files in from your old machine into the new one, you might as well start renaming them files right away. Not going to get it done overnight. Depends on how much data you got, of course. But if you do a little bit each week, a couple hours here, a couple hours there, before you know it, you've got a clean, clean system. And what I mean by clean is it's clean for you. You can find anything. My desk sometimes looks really dirty, but I can reach my hand out and grab anything I need. It's, it's, uh, it, it's just a... It's an organized mess, organized chaos, if you will. But in computers, it's really easy to get that happen, especially if you got a camera. Cameras will automatically name the pictures, and it has nothing to do with the subject or the content or anything like that. And I, I encourage people to rename those files as they're saving them, to put them on a hard drive or a flash drive or whatever. Make the names relevant. It makes all the difference in the world. That naming convention is very, very important with computers. Thank you so much for that call. That was a great call, Steve. Yeah, no, no doubt. Super call. 320 will come back. Uh, Doug got a disturbing spam uh, mm-hmm. email earlier. We'll get into that, and we'll go to our talk and text line. If you want to talk to Doug about your computer, hardware, software, whatever, uh, feel free to reach out, 651-461-9226. If you call into the studio, you'll visit with Josh Wheeler, our producer, if you text, that'll come right into the studio, and we'll get it right on the air. Tech Talk continues in a moment. It is Tech Talk Saturdays between 3 and 4, sports schedules permitting, of course, uh, before you know it, spring training. It's coming up pretty quick in, in reality. Uh, a month from now, there'll be the Twins Winter Caravan. End of the month, uh, Twins Fest, and then... Uh, couple of months away pitchers and catchers will report to spring training it it goes quick that is for sure right now it is tech talk and you can visit with doug on our talk and text line at 651-461-9226 651-461-9226 doug we want to get to another important one and that is uh emails with attachments uh spam emails etc uh the bad guys, the bad gals uh, spend yeah. uh, all their waking hours trying to trick you out of your money. Tell us your story. What did you run into? Yeah, you know, I got one that really kind of intrigued me last week. And it starts out talking about the African Union, which I've seen these before, has set up a payment for me through an ad hoc committee. But this thing gets really elaborate, going talking about how this was encouraged by the United States government, and it was taken to the to United Nations, and the United Nations is forcing Africa to do this. And all they need to get this thing going is my name, my nationality, which I've never seen before, state of origin and address, telephone number, age, sex, and occupation, and they will immediately wire transfer me. Are you ready for this, Steve? $10,500,000. As I'm a part of this. Now, stop and consider... I scratched my head and I think, you know, if I was had somebody's $10,500,000, the last thing I'd do is send them an email. I would hire a lawyer in their town to go talk to them. Would you not? I, I, you know, yeah. Some of this is just, 
See, and, I, and I can tell you for sure. See, that way you give them that information. They contact you. They will tell you to give them, give, them a, give them a call. That way the call's coming from you. Then they'll say, well, here's the thing. We need like $700 to get this thing going, and it'll just be put right back in with your ten mil, five thousand, and that's where you're supposed to say, oh, just forget it. I'll pay it. Yeah. Then they got it recorded on the telephone, too. Yeah. It's uh, very elaborate, and they've cleaned up their language. Then this thing looks like it was written by somebody that possibly could work at the University of Minnesota. Uh, very, very eloquent. Very well done. Typically, this bothers me a little bit because they're getting better at it. Yeah, t- typically in all the training we do at my full-time job, and we have training here at Odyssey as well, where corporals send out uh, an email and you've got to watch his video, and typically it is being aware of various forms of cyber attacks, malware, mm-hmm. etc. Trying people as simple as people trying to sneak into the building with you uh, to uh, what, what types of things to look for. And we, oh, yeah. we talked about this a lot. Well. At, at my full-time job during the week, they do this all the time, and they have a program that will send out emails that try to trick you to clicking on an attachment. That's and really we, good. And we've had really good compliance. People are up to speed. But on Friday, I got burned. Uh-oh. And I'll tell you what it was. And, and I got burned, and the, thank goodness it was a test. But I got an email from... And I'll use air quotes here. You can't see it. Microsoft. And it said, we we have a voicemail for you. That's clean. You know, and I clicked on the attachment. And immediately the software company that that we use internally to test people said, you got burned. You shouldn't have clicked on it. And here's why. So it's good ongoing training. And I was relieved that it was only... A test that I had failed, but it was a reminder. Here's something that looks super legitimate. You had Microsoft said it was just simply a voicemail that someone couldn't get through on my regular voicemail, and the computer was doing me a favor by sending it. But what mm-hmm. I did is I clicked on an attachment, and many times, if you're not familiar, that attachment could have malware, ransomware, whatever in it. No doubt, this is um, yeah, this. Th- but I will guarantee, I know you well enough to know that whatever you were looking at, that baby was done well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's sometimes, they're, they're very difficult to discern. So this is, uh, I really like hearing that your company's doing this, though. Oh, as long as sure. everybody's got the right frame of mind and they're not taking it like somebody's picking on them, it, I, this is going to help them at home as well. The, the more educated people are in this arena, much, much safer they are on the Internet. It's a, yeah, we just can't do enough about this. And I am amazed at how sophisticated they're getting. And they're getting real sophisticated. They're not generating the money that they were 25 years ago. That I can tell you for sure. It's much more difficult these days, which is good. I like that. But, uh, yeah, this is a, that's really nice to hear that your business that you work for is doing that. I think more companies should take a little bit of time and spend a little bit more money at this. It's going to save them money in the long run. I guarantee it. Yeah, and it gets back to something we continue to bring up on the program when it comes to emails and emails with attachments. If you're not absolutely positive that you're familiar with who sent the email and that email address looks familiar and legit, by all means, 
don't open that attachment. Uh, the old term, you're opening a can of worms, could be could be a problem. So, oh. so that's why people need to be very careful with, with emails and emails with attachments. Well, and just keep in mind that computers work in nanoseconds. In, in, a, in, a, in a matter of the blink of an eye, your computer can get two, 3,000 sets of instructions and be so far ahead that doesn't matter what you do, damage is done. You, you can't unplug it fast enough. You can't yep. hit control break or control C. You can't do anything fast enough. You just can't get ahead of it. Yeah, and that's part of the problem, too. You, you have to be sure ahead of time. And I don't want to make people paranoid so they're not using their computers because we should be using them. But know how to use them. And we need to be a little bit more cynical, a little bit more suspicious of what we're looking at. It's just like um, it, I, I just can't imagine how these people are so brazen. I, I, I'm sure they're hungry. I would, I, they must be. Uh, but it's uh, they're getting really good. When I, I sit and I read this email that actually... Um, Google said uh, spam, send them my spam thing. But from time to time, I'll look at the spam, and I found this one. If this one were to come into my email, if, if Google wouldn't have found it, I would have questioned it except for the ten, the $10 million. If you got $10 million coming, I don't think it's going to go down in the fourth paragraph, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, a, I, I also think, though, Doug, that, you know, you, 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 you know, compared to robbing a bank or other sorts of fraud and other crimes, I mean, that that's been around forever, and you know this is just a, a new tool uh, for for criminals to to do bad deeds. Hey, oh, and they think all of our banks got insurance, so they're not really taking money from anybody. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, let's go to the phone lines and mm-hmm. bring in uh, Jerry and Hugo. Jerry, you're on the air. Hello. Yes. Good afternoon, guys. I, I have a question uh, regarding being hacked. I'm wondering. How do you know if you have been hacked? Um, this past week, my niece received an email supposedly from the email that my wife and I use, and it said, uh, big surprise, and, and she did not open it, but there was like there was supposed to be a big announcement. And I went online uh, later that day and looked, and it was from a uh, – a school account. You could tell uh, the way it was set up, and it was UUM was the very end of it. I looked that up online, and it was from Malaysia. And so we don't know exactly what was was in it. It did not come out of our – it's not in our sent box. But how would it have been attached to our email and sent to my niece? That's what's called email address spoofing. They will take – when you look in your computer, there are settings in your email – that you can actually put a reply to or a sent from, and you can have it a different email than yours. And a lot of people don't know about this, but, yeah, email email spoofing is, is, is really very common, and it's getting more difficult for them to do, too, by the way. The, the, you're going to know if you're hacked. I, they, I've had people call me up and say, well, your email is sending out. Okay, and I, no, it wasn't my email. But what they did was they used my email as a reply address or a returned address when they put the software on somebody else's computer, and they're using that computer as what's called a jump point. Yeah, this is getting um, it, it, you you unwind it pretty quick. We've got the big companies today: uh, Google, Yahoo, uh, Microsoft, uh, Proton, all the big mail handlers, uh, Xfinity, CenturyLink. They are really doing a nice job at, I think, the best job they can is protecting us. 
But you always want to remember, when it comes to malware and viruses, we are always reacting. We, there's no such thing as a, a true prevention. Once they get it built and we find it, then and we experience it, then we go to work and we fix it. So we're always in a reactive mode. And that puts us behind right from day one. But, yeah, if you're uh, when you react, you're going to know. You just can't open your, your files for ransomware, especially, something like that. There's no question. Um, and the and the best thing to do is get all of our professionals, shut it off. I think the more you work with it, the worse it's going to get. All right, quick break. We'll come back. We'll have more tech talk. By the way, our CCO talk and text line, always available, 651-461-9226. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk Windows 10, uh, moving from a Windows 10 computer to a new Windows 11 computer. We, we've got uh, some things to get into there here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. It is Tech Talk here on a Saturday at News Talk. K3OWCCO. Doug Swinhart is in. Steve Thompson here. Josh Wheeler, our producer. And you can reach us on the talk and text line 651 461 9226. 651 461 9226. And from our text line, this is a good one, Doug. Can you move your drive from a Windows 10 computer? to a new Windows 11 desktop and run programs like Office and Adobe off the old drive. Does that work? And, Doug? Uh, I haven't sticking in a new computer. What's that? Why don't you repeat that, Doug? You cut off. It sounds, that question sounded to me like he wants to remove the drive, yep. put it into a Windows 11 computer, and run. you can't run programs there. You have to reinstall the programs. Uh, but it should be pretty standard. All the data would move as well. Um, I would not recommend that. If I move that, if I put that drive on there, the first thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to make that drive so it doesn't boot anymore. So you don't want to turn your computer on on a busy Wednesday morning and, well, oh, it's not going into 11. It's going into some version of 10 that hasn't been updated in seven months. Yeah, you don't want, really don't want to do that. And it will confuse the other operating system as well. It just doesn't make sense. You're, you're much better off to undo the master boot record on that computer and turn it into a data drive. No static movement at all. And, that, and you don't have to take off Windows or anything to do that. Um, you would use a program probably in Windows. You'd be using um, the disk manager in Windows. Every Windows program has that. I don't know if I'd recommend that. It just would not be conducive. You'd have to see the machine and see the hardware to actually make sure be better off if you want that to take that hard drive out and put it into an external hard drive into into a case and turn it into an external. That way he bypasses all that those issues as long as he doesn't have it plugged in when he starts the computer up. It's um, I I, I think it it seems like it's a reasonable thing to do, but you're you may be creating yourself more work than it's worth. And in all honesty, it's um, and it, it's not it's not good practice. It's just not best practice. Yeah. I, I wish I had better news. <laughs> so if, if you have an old Windows 10 machine, obviously the data transfer. But what it sounds like is the idea that you would have uh, on one disk the Windows 10 operating system, all these other programs. <laughs> um, is, is that really necessary or would it be better to just have keep that a standalone machine? Yeah, and, that'd be, yeah, that'd be the way I go, yeah. 
Yeah, just keep the standalone machine and not move the drive over. Yeah, you can get real sophisticated and turn it into a dual boot and uh, have it boot into, or maybe even in a triple boot, boots into Linux and boots into Windows 10, boots into Windows 11. Uh, you could do that. It's going to take uh, some serious planning and some serious effort. If you got that machine, I'd say leave that machine at 10 for a spare. Make that one a Linux Windows 10 machine. Uh, Windows 11, it's getting, it's decent. It's a nice operating system. I'm looking more for when 12 hits. I'm, um, I'm probably not going to spend a whole lot of time with 11. I'm, I'm waiting for 12. Everything I hear about Windows 12 is it's going to be a major, major leap forward. And, you know, Microsoft has a tendency of doing that. They're, they're talking about letting people update for free as long as your hardware complies. I'm still not real high on their initiative to have everybody have a new, hard, new hardware every three years. And it's not necessary. I mean, you can bypass almost all of it. But I think 12 is going to be the one to go after. I, I, Windows 11 and Windows 10, they're very similar except for aesthetics. They're not a whole lot of difference under the hood, really. It's, um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, 12, however, that's going to be a game changer, I think, for Microsoft. And it's way overdue. I think they're, I think they're due for a really top-shelf, upscale operating system at this point. And they, and they need it. They really do. I, here, here's the thing, you know, Doug, and this has come up on the program before for a moment about their strategy, about, you know, going way back to Windows 95 and all mm-hmm. this sort of branding and so on and so forth. Why, why just don't come out with Windows Next or whatever you want to call it? The end? <laughs> yeah, and, and just... Upgrade the platform from there. I, I, I don't understand the value. And I have a Windows 10 machine, and now I have a Windows 11 machine. It, it just seems like why they have to roll out these brand-new operating systems and put people through this. I, I, I'm not sure in 2023, soon to be 2024, what the value is of that. Yeah, see, and that tells me right away that you've, you, you, you've become what I would consider a of uh, an, uh, an informed user. You're scratching your head going, why? You know, yeah. The glitz and the glamour aren't near as important as they used to be. You know, there's form and function in everything we do in life, but this is a, this is a, a, a real sore spot with a lot, of, especially administrators. You make these guys reconfigure their whole network every six months because you decide you got to market something? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I hope they're starting to get a grasp on this. And at the same time, they're going to market. They will market. I agree with you. I, you know, I look back at I still think about Windows XP. It was a wonderful operating system. It was mature. And, of course, Microsoft had this great big issue as, well, it's not 64-bit. Well, it is, but it isn't. It just doesn't run 64-bit. Well, so what? You know, 80 90% of the software we run today on a 64-bit machine is 32-bit software. Are computers any faster because they're 64-bit? Not really. Somewhat in certain issues, certain functions, but overall, not much, not really. We've really reached the pinnacle. Now, I will say this. 64-bit handles massive amounts of random access memory much better. And it does a better job with um, uh, low-energy using machines, which has just been inherent. But I think all those, that same elements would have evolved in the same manner, just staying with the 32-bit. We could have Windows XP today and just update it. I, seriously, I, uh, and I and Windows 7, I love Windows 7. 
you know, people were, I, I know people were just upset to the point where they were just going wild when they said, we're going to retire Windows 7. And still, they, they've still got Vista running. <laughs> so it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. Yeah. I do think that they've opened their eyes to force updates. There, there's been talk about, well, are you going to force me to update? So they've got some real backslash on that from everybody. And I'm glad that they're responding to that in a positive manner. It doesn't sound like there's going to be any of that from 10 to 11 or 10 to 12 or 11 to 12. It doesn't sound like they're going to be doing any forcing at all. But, of course, who knows? Microsoft can change their mind in the middle of the day tomorrow. But, yeah, that's right. And they haven't been real time, consistent. hard to follow. Yeah, and the, the final thought on this, and we've got to take a quick break. But, but over the years, Apple has had a lot of different operating systems, and uh, they, they have evolved. Um, so, so in fairness, this, this isn't anything new, um, but it, it, it seems as though with, with so many machines, so many Windows machines out there, you know, there, there, there's just got to be a better way. Well, you know, and, and speaking of Apple, you know, OS ten. even though there were different, how do I say this, different steps in ten. You know, you had Safari and, and El Capitan and El Tigre and all that. Uh, but it was still the same operating system, almost basically the same. Until they came out with the M1 chips and they rearranged all the software to go with that. That was like one major change. Microsoft's done this major change a number of times throughout the years. And a lot of times they will send out, and there's there's really no way around this, but today... You know, software and hardware companies, they're not really even spending any money that I know of to pay people to do beta testing. We used to get paid for that. Yeah. Now they just put it out, and all the people who want to be the latest and the greatest, they just stamp right in the box. It's beta. They don't even make a big deal out of it. And part of that is an is absolute no way around it. There's no way Microsoft or any other software company or hardware company, for that matter, can know how many multiple combinations that people can come up with. Different printers, different computers, different environments. Every computer configuration is separate. It really is. Yeah. So it, uh, to, to make sure that, is it, oh, they should have known about that. How could they know about all of that? It's not possible. And that really, in my opinion, states the argument for let's keep the same operating system. The longer we got that baby running, the more we know about it. The more we know the good, the bad, the ugly, the workarounds, and the easier our day goes, get through our day of work. And most of us, most people who have computers, they're using it as a means to an end for their work. They, they don't want to be computer professionals. They don't want to be computer science majors. They just want to work. And I, sometimes I think that Microsoft and even Apple from time to time, they may lose sight of that. Yeah. It, it's not all excitement and fun and new and sparkly and, and shiny. We're making a living here. (laughs) Yeah, it's a tool, and people want it to be safe and uh, secure and and reliable. Hey, quick break. We'll come back. I will come back, talk more about the potential system requirements of Windows 12. And does that mean if you want to run Windows 12, you need a new machine? We'll get Doug's thoughts on that. And then we'll circle back around to new computers, uh, brand-new computers. When you take that thing out of the box, what are the to-dos? We've got a couple more to add to the list, and we'll get into that before we say goodbye here on Tech Talk. Still time to get in on the talk and text line. You can do either. 
you you can call or text 651-461-9226. We have all the news at 4. By the way, we'll go outdoors with Steve Carney as well here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. A bit of a dreary Saturday with some fog. Dense fog advisory. Uh, west of the cities, Marshall, Wilmers, St. Cloud, up to Brainerd, Fergus Falls, Morris. To give you an idea of the scope of that, we have 41 degrees right now. We'll have all the news, all the weather at 4 o'clock. Outdoors with Steve Carney. We'll recap the Vikes-Bengals game all on the way. Uh, Doug, from our text line, uh, here's a good one. Uh, this person has heard there will be strong system requirements for Windows 12. Um, sounds like a lot of the computers in service right now may not qualify for Windows 12. Right? Well, I, I hate that. I hope they don't go that route. But yeah, what we know for sure is it looks like they're going to be moving from 4 gigabytes to 8 gigs, which might be valid. But to force people to have a trusted platform module, uh, that's more for an enterprise computer. I disagree with this. And to tell people, well, you know, this processor that you bought a year ago, it's not going to qualify. Now you've got people looking at processors to line I think it's going to harm them. By the way, 12 is coming out in 24. They're going to release it in 24. That's a, I'm not quite certain. Almost like they're skipping over 11, isn't it? Because you can still have 10. You can still have 11. And some people, I guess, will be able to get it for free, depending on when you download it and when you install it. I'm not sure what they're going to do, and nobody really knows. What we read today is it's guesswork and theory. And Lou and I just discussed this. Microsoft is not consistent enough to really make predictions, I don't think. I I think the 8 gigs is probably safe from what I can tell. And I'm hoping they will lighten up a little bit on on the hardware restrictions. This has done nothing for their reputation globally. It's uh, seriously. I don't know if they're putting those re- is those restrictions on in other countries either. I, I think it's just us. I, I'm not sure that why that. Uh, oh, I, I'm well. They want to go to the hardware people. Say, look what we're doing for you. You know, yeah, we're a partner up, uh, and it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be the people against the the general public. We're we're well, all in this together. Well, here's the thing, Doug, and it goes back to maybe the bad old days when you know. You needed a new computer every year to keep up, that, that things were changing so quickly. Yeah, Technology was, was coming along, and it is. And we're, we're a little tight on time. I want to get back to the new install. Yes. Um, and this comes to Windows Machine, and I want to run this by you. Um, if you get a new, you know, obviously we've talked about if you have a current machine, you should have Pervasor on it. Uh, what about a brand new machine? Is that one of the first things you should do? Is get Pervasor and get oh, that you set bet. Up to run? You bet. Once you get your profile set up so it's a local profile, as soon as you plug into the internet, one of the first tasks I do is I download and install Pervasor. First thing, yeah, you might as well have it running while you're setting it up. Have it running at its peak. Um, so you, it's going to take less time. Uh, and I love that program. I really do. And, and if you get rid of the junk right away and maintain it. It's way, way worth the time that you spend putting that in there. All right, good. Oh, absolutely. All right, we got to run tight on time. Doug, your phone number and email. Uh, thank you, Steve. 651-552-9543. And, of course, admin, A-D-M-I-N, at WCZOTech.com. WCZOTECH.com. 651-552-9543. Thank you, Steve, and have a good week. Yeah, and we'll do it again next week if you're available, Doug. 
Absolutely. All right, we'll visit with you on the 23rd Tech Talk. Saturday is between 3 and 4 o'clock. We promise all the news at 4. We'll go outdoors with Steve Carney here on News Talk, E3O, WCCO.